Welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it up. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Well, good morning. Glad you're here. We are really glad you're here. You know, Friday morning, it was April Fool's Day. I don't know if you believe in that. I don't, but I started to Friday. I'll tell you why. Nice, almost 50 degrees. I'm going, oh, spring is here. And I, you know, early in the morning, you watch the sun pop up over the horizon. You go, oh, it's springtime. Birds chirping. Where in the heck have all the seagulls come from? I don't know, but they're, they're killing me. But Saturday morning, I woke up and thought, is this, is this December? Like, I don't know. So I learned something about Wisconsin. Here's what I learned about Wisconsin Saturday morning. Here's what I learned. I learned that the first part of April in Wisconsin is the indicator that there's only four more weeks of winter. That's what I learned. My friends are coming with the Bibles. If you need a copy of the scripture, if you'll raise your hand, they'll give you a copy. If you're going to use the version, uh, you can go to version. three little bars down in the bottom left hand, or right hand corner, hit that, hit events, and there's the, the scripture. I wanna thank you uh, while my friends are giving Bibles away, they're complimentary. I wanna thank you for your faithfulness in giving your generosity and kindness in giving God's tithes and your offerings because one, first of all, your giving goes to a lot of different projects, more than just keeping lights on and keeping people employed. Your giving has helped produce and spread and keep going to the 920 and beyond in both far and near programs like Journey to Wholeness and, and the program, uh, the Pastoral Restoration Program. I wanna thank you for giving because without you, we couldn't do that. And without you, there would be people that would never have made it like me. I would never have made it had it not been for Journey to Wholeness, had it not been for the Pastoral Restoration because those are the tools, the, the things that God used to bring me back from the edge as a fallen minister and put me in position, not only to be restored, but to be healed and be delivered and set free and now be back on track with the mission God's assigned to me years and years ago. So I just wanna thank you for that. I wanna, I wanna thank you for, for doing that and being those people. The Rise After the Fall, this is episode three and I've entitled it, I Chose You. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, we love you, that you're a kind and gracious heavenly Father, that you love us and you desire the very best for our lives. And even when we are faithless, even when we don't have the ability to follow you, you are faithful and you have always been with us. Even before the foundations of the world were created, you decided and had a plan, an intentional plan and purpose for our lives. And since that time before creation, You've been involved, intricately involved in our lives. So Father, we give you praise, we give you thanks, and I thank you for all my friends, amen. Falls happen because we are fashioned and designed one way, but choose to live another, contradicting our original fashion and design. 
Man has always had the propensity to fall since the fall, and we've made a habit of falling, passing down the art of falling to the third and the fourth generation. Although falls was not the intention of the Father in heaven, he had plans, he had purposes, and he had the watchful eye to see forward and to know that I can restore and save and deliver friends who my, my kids who I love and adopted and have chosen by name and I've given them a name and I've given them purpose. And I decided before the first day that they were ever walked on the earth, that they had a purpose in their lives. In fact, the book of Psalm chapter 139 says this, that God knew all my days before even one was completed. My name was written in his book. He had a plan for me. He knew me in my mother's womb. He knew who I was, where I was, how I would turn out, when I would drop off the edge, and when I would rise again from the fall with his help and his plan. So what I'm saying to you today is this, is that wherever you are in your place, wherever you are, if you are in a fall, if, wherever you are in the entering into it, in the middle of it, going out of it, wherever you are, know this, God is completely and fully aware. He's never been surprised at anything that's ever happened to you. He's never been upset. He's never been mad or angry. In fact, he has always looked at you with love and kindness and the best because he chose you from the beginning of the world. He chose you to be full, clean, faultless, and blameless in him before the foundation of the world. Before your first day, before my first day, God chose all of us to be without blame. So when blame, when we live in contradiction to the way we were created to live, then God knew and God had a plan and God was involved. In fact, I like that in fact. You ever hear people say in fact? It just makes you go, would you stop saying in fact? Because I'm tired of hearing you say in fact. In fact, God has so purposed, he has so planned and ordained and organized and set forth in motion from the beginning to the end where eternity starts. He's the God of the middle. Do you know where the middle is? The middle is where I am right now. The middle is where you are right now. So he is the God of the middle. He is not surprised by the things that happen to us. The fall part of the story is not always easy to communicate. Nobody likes to, nobody likes to, nobody likes to share their, 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 their failures and blunders when you, especially when you choose a vocation that you're supposed to be perfect. I was a pastor for 35 years. I was a youth pastor for 20 years. That'll drive you crazy. The kids weren't so bad <laughs> as the parents. <laughs> but I'm just letting you know. You can talk to a teenager and you can get the dirt on a house in like two minutes. Bro, I'm telling, they just blah, 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 blah. They don't care. They have no filter. It's amazing. It's amazing. But then you go home and go, oh my God. What I'm saying to you is this. Then no matter how wonderful things are, no matter how amazing things are, no matter how much you desire to do good things, sometimes stuff happens. When I was, when I was a lead pastor in uh, the state of North Carolina, um, 
something began to emerge in my life, and uh, it, it was it was things that I began to notice in my character because I was pretty successful in youth ministry. Actually, I was really successful in youth ministry, and I think that I think that my giftings took me to a place where my character it could. My gifts took me to a place that my character couldn't keep me. I know you've heard that before and you'll probably hear it again from one of the other guys that are gonna be speaking, but when you rise so fast and you're so successful, you begin to think that you're invincible and you begin to think that you, have, you, you, you are Superman, that you can, you can dodge bullets and you can dodge, you can dodge the things that the enemy will throw at you. You can, you can actually dodge the fiery darts that he throws. In fact, the reason that that you can't feel the fiery dart sometimes. The reason we can't feel the fiery dart sometimes is because we're so numb and so traumatized that we can't even feel the attack of the enemy in our lives. That's good, I should have wrote that down right there. So what I'm saying to you is this, it's much easier to tell the story of your fall from your rise because your fall gives rise to your call. Here's the fact, I'm sorry. I'll. I didn't practice it that way, I'm just letting you know. The fact is, I'm just kidding. My fall started well before it happened. All falls do. And by the way, so you know that, that when, when your fall happens, if it's not already, it's, it's, it's the I got you moment. You ever had somebody go, I got you? I got you. See, my, my fall started way, um, it started a long time ago. A long time ago. I, wonder, I, I looked back at my timeline because in Journey to Holiness, you have to do a timeline of your life, your history, in which you've not done, done Journey to Holiness. I really encourage you to do it. By the way, by the way, if, um, if, the, if the time slot's that, that you wanted to go for, just, just email Pastor Becky at j2wholeness.org. <laughs> She'll love that. And let her know you're interested. But I picked out three things that were, 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 were pieces of, were pieces of, yeah, this is where, this is where it started. And this is, this is one of the places where where a wedge was driven in, and then, then here's the I got you moment. So I, I, wanna, I wanna share those with you. I remember uh, when I was six years old, um, about six, six years old, I remember it was raining outside, thundering, lightning. And uh, I lived, I lived, I grew up in a trailer park for part of my, my kidhood. <laughs> trailer park, if you've never grown up in a trailer park, I highly recommend that you don't. <laughs> but if you have to, that's where my, that's where my day of abandonment started. My day of abandonment. Because I remember, you know, kids, kids, are, kids are intuitive, they know things. So my dad walked in the room that night. We were supposed to go camping that, that weekend and we were gonna go off somewhere because uh, he liked to camp. And he, uh, I just knew something was up. I, 
I, I just knew. And so I said, Dad, are you going somewhere? Are you leaving? He said, no, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I mean, I'm here. I'll be here. So I went to sleep, got up the next morning because we were supposed to leave and go camp. And <clears throat> he was gone. He just disappeared. Like, we couldn't find him for, for months. Like, we, my mom called all the hospitals. I was, I was the oldest at about six, and I had three sisters who were younger. And she called all the hospitals and the sheriff's department. Nobody knew where he was. Nobody could find him. So that, that was my day of abandonment. That's when it started. That's when, that's when the in identity problem started. That's when the insecurity, the inferiority, the intimidation, the invisibility. Like, when you're abandoned by your father, your life changes fast. It, it just changes super fast. So going through elementary school, going through junior high, high school, you can imagine maybe some of you probably have had the same battles, the same issues, because growing up fatherless doesn't mean that necessarily your father abandoned you. He could, he could be in the home and he could, he could be present, but not available. Or it could be that guy that works all the time because he feels the pressure to raise a family. So there's a lot, there's a lot of definitions to fatherless. But I'm telling you, mine was abandonment. And this, this whole wreck, this train wreck started at six years old. So I, I battled with all those things. And, and when you battle with identity as a man, you try to find ways to become, you try to find your identity. You try to figure out. Here's the, here's the funny story that God knew all along that all these things were going to happen. He had clear understanding of it, but yet he, be, he continued to work and act in my life. He continued to be involved. He continued to, to do things like in the 10th grade, call me into ministry, to vocational ministry, because I was a pastor for a, a youth pastor for 20 years and a lead pastor for about a total of a total time in ministry of 35 years. So, so God knew all that, and, and he still chose to say, hey, I choose you. I'm calling you. I, I chose you. I picked you out. I just didn't, you know, like the fat kid in the third grade who's the last one to get picked for kickball? That was me, by the way. God, God picks the third grade fat kid that nobody wants first. So, that, so he chose you and me that way. He chose us. Here's the thing. When we begin to look at, at, the, the, at the things that initiated our fall, we can begin to examine how things begin to happen and why, why things are present in our lives. Fast forward junior high, high school, college, went to college, went to a Christian school college in South, uh, Lakeland, Florida called Southeastern University. And I received a, a, a bachelor of science in, in ministry and Bible, ministry leadership and Bible and got married there and had three great kids. They live uh, in Carolina and in California. And um, uh, in, in the ministry, in the ministry, 
it's, it's a hard job. It's a rough job. Probably, uh, especially if you've got an identity problem and you're insecure and you feel invisible, when people stand around and go, you're so great. You're so great. You're, you're marvelous. You're marvelous. Proverbs chapter 27 says this, that the wounds of a friend are faithful and trustworthy. But the enemy multiplies kisses. And see, the, the enemy knows that if you're insecure, you are so great. See, I was hired in a couple of places. I was hired for my gift and nobody ever asked me about my character. Nobody ever, nobody ever said, how's your, how's your prayer, how's your this life? Nobody ever asked that question. They just wanted the gift because they needed the gift to make their deal bigger. So when you begin to operate that, you begin to forget. You begin to forget who called you. And you forget, begin, you forget to who you're supposed to lean on. And you forget who, who called you and appointed you and chose you to put you in a position. That's what you forget. Because you know why you're so enamored with, you're so awesome. You're so great. You're, you're wonderful. Maybe somebody, maybe you're in a vocation like that where people have used you for your giftedness or, or because you sell a lot of stuff. You're, you're awesome. Fast forward. I, I got a job um, being a district youth director in uh, North Carolina for the Assemblies of God. And so I traveled a lot and, and I went in for a checkup and, and the doctor, she was, she was one of these like, she worked out all the time and she was like, and when she told you your diagnosis, she said, bro, you're gonna die if you don't. Oh, wait, hold on. She said, you have very high blood pressure and your creatinine is not in a good place. So if you know anything about creatinine, it has to do with your kidneys. So fast forward. I went to a nephrologist and he said, well, his name is Dr. Mark Rothman. He said, well, you're, you have CKD. It's chronic kidney disease. Your kidneys are dying and you need a transplant or you're going to die. So you got, you got all these doctors. First, you got these people going, you're awesome. Oh my God. You're so wonderful. What? And then you got two doctors saying, you're going to die, bro. Like there's a crash. I said, like, there's a collision of boom. Like you ever been, has anybody ever taken their hands and go smack you in the ear? That's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. Because you get awakened real fast. So my doctor, Mark Rothman, Dr. Mark Rothman, a nephrologist in, in Raleigh, Durham, he was doing some work and I'd done some tests and felt better and looked good. And I thought he was going to say, you know, you're doing really good. You're great. You're doing very well. And I think your kidneys have taken a turn. And he, he didn't. He walked over and tapped me on the arm and he said, look, there's nothing you can do about this. This is genetic. 
you, you're not, you're not going to change genetics. You, you're not going to do it. It's, it's, here's the train coming down the track. You can stand out there and try to stop the train, or you can get on the train and try to ride it to a destination to get you some help. I, got, I tried to stop the train for a while. Because when you're a pastor and you don't get healed when lots of people pray for you, it's like, bro, is, is there sin in your life? Well, yeah, there was. So I, I worked, worked in the ministry. I had to get out of it because actually it was killing me. So I stepped away and went into a sales job. I could go in, do the work, leave, go home. But I continued, my health continued to disintegrate. And I don't know if you know it or not, but your kidneys are about, about the size of your fist. And when I tell people I had a kidney transplant, they say, well, how many kidneys do you have? Bro, can you not do math? <laughs> Two natives and one girl kidney. Because my sister in Dallas, Texas gave me the girl kidney. I guess right here. I'm so thankful for her too, by the way. The doctor said when they took the kidney out, they said, uh, Deanna, you've got two super kidneys. So we're going to leave the bigger super kidney in your body. And we're going to give your brother the other super kidney. So she, she donated that kidney. Now, here's the big miracle about the kidney thing. God's still at work. He's doing things. Even though you crash and burn and you're in the midst of a, you're in the, you're in the middle of the dive, he's still working in your life. Because the miracle about the kidney thing was this, is that he incubated a healthy kidney in my sister for 50 years. 50 years. So that with, at, at the right time, at the right time, that kidney could have been taken out of her body and put into mine. Fast forward, after a decade of being sick and on dialysis for two years, which is a miserable thing, um, I, got, I got the transplant and about a year later, uh, it was the Saturday night before or after Thanksgiving 2019, and my wife at the time said, I just don't want to be married to you anymore. I, I, I don't, I'm tired. I don't want to do it. So let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Like everybody's going, oh, why? What did you do? I'll tell you what I did. I missed a lot of cues as a dad because I was trying to climb the ladder. I missed a lot of cues as a husband because I was trying to be something that that I didn't have the ability to be. My gifts would have taken me there, but my character restricted me from the pathway. That's why I didn't make it. And I'll be honest. I don't know if I should say this publicly, but I'm going to go ahead and say it publicly. I, I you know, I think... I think when you're, you're in a state of being broken that you make some really bad decisions and you make some really bad judgments on what's good, what's right, and how to choose those things. And then you begin to choose and make those decisions in your life about relationships you have, but they're all made out of brokenness and not out of wholeness and not out of, of what God says, hey, this is the way walk you in it. You, you do this way. Because, because when you're listening to your own drum and you're listening 
to your own YouTube channel about how great you are and how wonderful you are and how fast you rose and how much the world loves you, but yet you missed the boat with those closest to you, then you've wrecked. So when, when, when she told me that, at that very moment, the feelings and the emotions that I had at that very moment took me back to that six-year-old boy in that trailer with the thunder and the lightning and the rain hitting the trailer. Because what happened was from that day, the day of abandonment, fast forward about 50 years, 52 years, the day of abandonment closed. In, in other words, there was a 50-year span where it just, okay, now you're abandoned, you're done with. You're closed, that's it, you're done. So Pastor Sean, Pastor Sean called me one day and I was, I was living in Knoxville, Tennessee and I remember where I was, what I was doing, who I was with. I, just like yesterday, it was in May and, and he said, hey buddy, how you doing? I said, I'm, I'm doing okay. You know how you're doing okay when you're about to jump off a cliff? You know how you tell everybody, yeah bro, I'm good, I'm good, yeah. By the way, guys, anytime a guy says, I'm good, what it means is he's miserable and he's lonely and he needs you to press in and push on him because did you know that 80% of men are the most lonely creatures in the face of the earth? They're lonely. Married or not, girlfriend or not, men are lonely. I just thought I'd give you that, throw that out there. So one of, the things, one of the things Pastor Sean said is he said, uh, we want you to come to Green Bay. We want you to move up here. But before that, he said, look here, man, I'm gonna either make today one of the best days of your life or I'm gonna wreck your weekend. You know how brothers talk to each other like, hey man, how you doing? Good, I'm good, I'm good. Listen here, I'm gonna wreck your day. I'm gonna make it a good one. I'm gonna make it a great weekend. So I'm intrigued at this point, like I'm miserable. Matter of fact, I'd, I'd already made plans to walk out. I lived at the foot of the Smoky Mountains in, in Knoxville, not already made plans. I said, I'm not gonna live like this the rest of my life. I've failed, I've, I've fallen off the edge. I've crashed, I've burned. I'm not gonna live alone. I'm not gonna live miserable. I'm not gonna live with a broken heart and a broken mind. So when it gets cold, if things don't change in a certain, um, a certain period of time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk out in the mountains when it's freezing and I'm gonna get lost because you can get lost there easy and I'm, I'm just gonna go where nobody can find me because I was tired, I was so, I was tired. I, w I was sick tired. I was so tired, I was so tired that, that, that I, I was just tired. I think there's probably people here that are just tired. You're just, you're just tired. You're spent. He said, all right, bro, I'm going to leave it with you. What, what I need you to do is I need you to pray about it, and then, and then we'll figure out something. So I knew something. I knew it was up because something, something leapt inside me that said, if you don't do this, you're going to die. So 35 days later, I was in Green Bay. Just, just like that. That's when God works, it's just like that. Like, it's just like that.
My fall started with brokenness. Brokenness is both instantaneous and progressive. Instantaneous in that there's a ground zero event and progressive in it's a wellspring of trauma, wounding, hurting, heartbreaking, creating and feeding other ground zero events, each cascading one over the other over time in every relationship, healthy or not. Over time, those cascading wounds and hurts with intertwined tentacles stretch across purpose, identity, sonship, and legacy, corrupting, confusing, distorting, disorienting, disrupting, dividing, and distracting. So what I want to tell you today is if you're in the fall, if you're not in the fall, if you're going into a fall, stop the fall and listen to what I'm telling you right now. Because you don't have to fall all the way. You can stop the fall right now. Here's what I want to tell you. Jesus said to the disciples, he said in John 15, 16, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Let that ring in for a minute. You did not choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and to produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Friends, that is what we were all created for. Now you say, how could I? I don't like to talk about my Jesus story with people. I don't want to tell anybody. I don't want to. Do you know what making a disciple? You know what the Great Commission is? Great Commission is disciples making disciples. Now, if you live in a home and you have a wife or a husband and kids, Guess who you're supposed to make disciples of first? I'm just saying, it's just like that. It's just like that. Just that simple. You see, we've over, over, over quantified what Jesus was talking about and we've made it more, we've made it more and more confusing and more graduated in difficulty than it really is. Jesus said, I chose you, you didn't choose me. So what I want to talk to you about are four things to understand in your rise from your fall, because in your fall, you will discover your rise to the call that God has on your life. And we all have a call of God on our lives. Number one purpose, our purpose, according to scripture is to produce, produce lasting fruit. We were created in the image of God. We were created in the image of the creator. We were given authority to live and to, on this earth and to raise and to construct and to harvest and to grow and to make families and homes and help other people do the same. Here's the problem. If we are not living according to our purpose, we just automatically invite a fall to come because when we don't live according to our purpose, fall happens. The father said in the garden to Adam and Eve, look, he said to Adam, you can go do any of this you wanted, but don't touch that. There was purpose in that. The purpose was, I've got all of this garden that I want you to do and maintain. Do that. Don't do this. Number two, understand in your eyes, your identity. God chooses you. He chooses me. There's nothing that we can do about it. There's nothing that we can do to squelch it, stop it, or cause him to disregard or make and change his mind about the decision. In fact, if you are struggling with identity, and a lot of men are, most are, you are chosen, my brother, and you are marked and known and claimed by God. In fact, there's not anything that any of us can do in here, male or female, that could cause God not to want to keep choosing us. In fact, he has chosen us from the beginning. He has chosen us and said, you are mine. And there's not anything you can do to change that. Number three, 
sonship. He has called us to be sons. He has adopted us into his family. He has invited us and brought us in and given us a name and a place. He has made a place for us to pull us out from where we were to take us where he wants us to be. He's adopted us, accepted us, and named and blessed us. And number four, legacy. Legacy. When you're abandoned, you lose legacy. If you don't develop a legacy, in fact, right now, I'll just let you know that we're all making legacy right now. The question is, what kind of legacy are we making? Jesus said, I give you my name to take with you wherever you go. When you're fulfilling and living your purpose and doing what I've called you to do, this is what I want you to take with you. I want you to take my name with you because when I give you my name, you can use my name wherever you want to use it at. Because I've given you authority to go all over the world. And your little world, my little world starts inside my home. You know, when I, when I see people that I know are broken, it, it rips my guts out, I'll just tell you. It rips my guts out. <laughs> because it's a horrible feeling. It's a horrible feeling to feel abandoned and lonely and broken and feeling like there's no hope at all. It is a miserable, God-awful feeling. Here's what I know. I know this, that, that when you're in this state of mind, you do not, we do not make good decisions and we choose things and pursue things that will bring death to us. There's only one way out. It's relationship with Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray. You're saying today, Barry, look, you, you've, you've described my life and you've described you described me and I, I know I know that everything I've done is, is it's not going to work I know all the, the only way for me to get out of this is Jesus and so I'm asking today I need Jesus if you're saying if that's you and you say I need Jesus would you raise your hand and look at me just raise your hand look yep got you, got you, got you, got you, got you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. If you raised your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? Father, cleanse me of my sin. Everybody pray this with me. Bring me into right relationship with God. Heal my brokenness. Remove my sin. Make me whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you would, one more thing. If you are, are in a state, you're a Jesus guy, Jesus girl, but you're in a state of being broken and you, you're just saying, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. bow your heads if that's you would you raise your hand and say would you pray for me I just can't do it anymore I need prayer I'm broken 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes. Father, for all my friends who, who raised their hands and said that they're tired and weary and broken, I ask you to heal them right now. Start the healing process and I ask that the Holy Spirit would fill them with his presence and his glory and that they would be healed in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew on That. The Chew on That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.